This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. There are all kinds of scams out there, right? People are always trying to take our money somehow. But then there are scams that are next level. The kind that take people for not just millions, but hundreds of millions of dollars over time. And I always think, boy, that seems like a lot of work, right? Wouldn't it have just been easier to get a job and work for that money? Apparently not. Now, Rachel Brown is an investigative reporter and documentary producer and has written about a Canadian man's huge million-dollar psychic scam. I mean, this thing was decades long, and it is just coming to a conclusion. Rachel is with us to tell us about it. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So tell me about the scam. When did this thing get started? So the scam involving this legendary French psychic named Maria Duval started in the late 80s, early 90s, I would say, with a couple of businessmen in Europe um, who were actually in business with Maria Duval. They had licensed her name and likeness. Um, But over time, it seemed to have ballooned into this operation that really perhaps didn't have much of her involvement at all. Uh, And Patrice Runner, the Canadian man who wanted the North American side of this business, started getting involved in it in around the mid-90s. Okay. And so how? Like, how did they get involved? Well, he actually met with Maria Duval, he says, um, in the south of France in her villa. And he was a, you know, sort of a rising copywriter advertiser in Montreal and had many of his own mail order businesses previously. Um, And so he says that he came to an agreement with her and started uh, advertising psychic services and products in her name in Canada, in the U.S. And then over the next 20 years or so, uh, there were millions and millions and millions of these letters that were sent to, you know, unsolicited uh, letters sent to addresses all across North America. And again, it seems like it sort of uh, ballooned uh, beyond her involvement. Um, The Department of Justice in the United States has said that she has had no involvement in the case, uh, in the operation, rather. Um, and so, yes, it was for the course of 20 years that this wow. massive mail order operation was in effect. This sounds like so much work. You know what I mean? Like when I think about <laughs> these scams, I think, boy, this was like a lot of work. So what eventually brought this down? Well, the U.S. Postal Inspection Service actually just came across one of the companies that was involved in the operation, sort of by chance, they were looking into something else. And then they kind of noticed some strange financial transactions. There was money um, being rejected. um, And this is around the sort of mid 2000s. And so this one postal inspector started looking further into this company that was traced back to Montreal. And he did some more research online and found that a lot of people around the world were complaining about being scammed by this Maria Duval operation. They'd received a letter, sent in money, and either didn't get anything back or over time came to realize that it was, um, you know, just sort of a copy-paste letter scheme that wasn't personalized to them like they had thought. And so over time, the U.S. Department of Justice sort of zeroed in on 
Patrice Renner's companies and his operation, his employees, and over time sort of took down the business bit by bit with a civil case and then eventually with a criminal case involving his former employees in Montreal and then eventually to him himself. Okay. There's so much going on with this story, Rachel, which is probably why you find it so fascinating, why your piece was so fascinating too, because it evaded law enforcement for so long. And I guess I'm, I'm curious about how did he persuade so many people to send him money when he wasn't ever physically interacting with them? Well, I mean, you know, people are I mean, it kind of speaks to the power of advertising and the power of copywriting. If someone who is, um, you know, maybe not in the best place in their life receives this letter that's very persuasively written that is promising happiness, wealth, um, and all sorts of positive things in your life for a small fee, you know, we see this all the time that people are very, um, people can be quite vulnerable to these big promises and people are searching for meaning and purpose and prosperity in their lives. And so, you know, it's, it, it's sort of easy to see how people can buy into literally these types of promises and these types of businesses. It happens all the time. Right. But if he's using the mail for this, then, I mean, that clearly sounds like it was breaking some law. So what, what took law enforcement so long to get on this case? Like this was going on for a long time. It was going on for a long time, and I think that there were just, um, you know, there's so many of these mail order operations that uh, are, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, that were going on. I mean, Patrice Runner himself had caught the attention of U.S. law enforcement for other mail order and advertising operations that he'd been running uh, regarding weight loss products that were found to be bogus. Um, So he kind and he was fined for those, a monetary fine. So he kind of was on the radar of law enforcement for a bit. And then, you know, it takes many years to unravel these very complicated international uh, operations. You know, the U.S. Department of Justice has jurisdiction over the U.S., but if there's, you know, uh, people that they're targeting who are abroad, it takes a long time and a lot of manpower to unravel massive schemes that have many different entities and companies so it was quite complicated for sure. Right. So that's finally kind of what's ended up in court. And there's recently been a trial and he was found guilty. So what's going to happen now? He is waiting to be sentenced for this. Um, you know, there's some there's some procedural things that happen between now and the sentencing. Um, so that's the next step. He faces uh, very serious penalties. This has taken, you know, mail order wire fraud is taken very seriously in the United States. uh, And he faces up to 20 years times the 14 convictions um, that he's been handed. So there's a lot of jail time that he's facing and there's some monetary fines that he could be facing as well. So I love the fact that this all has to do with like him promising psychic services to people here. And was part of his defense actually that, hey, like we're talking about being a psychic here. This isn't fraud. It's kind of magic. Exactly. That's Um, crazy. It's a very interesting defense. And, you know, his lawyers unsuccessfully in the end tried to argue that there are so many industries that we all buy into that are based on deceit. And we knowingly buy into things like magic shows, the WWE psychics in general, you know, the psychic on the street corner that you see operating and offering services. And we knowingly, in many cases, buy into this with the knowledge that it's 
it's deceit. Um, it's may not it may not necessarily be evidence based, and that it's a form of entertainment. And so his attorneys tried to argue that what Patrice was offering was a form of entertainment and was aligned with a lot of these other types of businesses that we know and love. Um, and so he, it was kind of a buyer beware situation, according to his lawyers. Okay, that's that, so, that didn't end up flying no. with the jury, but <laughs> right. But it's so interesting that they would compare it to something like WWE, where they're saying, "Listen, everybody knows psychics are fake. We're all just here for a good time." Mm-hmm. Like, yes, exactly. I, I'm not sure everybody believes that psychics are fake. Isn't that the problem? <laughs> I, I don't know. I know a lot of people who, you know, are who's to say that psychics are real and psychics psychics aren't. We don't really have evidence either way, right? That's right. But obviously, people want to believe, and that was what happened mm-hmm. in this case. So, uh, yes. wow! So this this has been going on for so long. This must have been fascinating for you to uncover. It was because there's so many twists and turns. I mean, Maria Duval herself is a psychic, whether or not you believe in psychics. She was out there as a, uh, as a psychic with a reputation for being a psychic. People believed her to be a psychic. So she herself had this decades-long career starting um, in France in the 70s. And then you kind of fast forward through her career to the 90s with people like Patrice Renner and other businessmen who really wanted to use her image and kind of capitalize on this psychic boom that was happening in the 90s, like you see with the Psychic Friends Network, with Miss Cleo. And so there's just so many avenues to explore in this story that that touch on so many interesting aspects of society and, and frankly, parts of the world. It's a global story. Um, these letters were sent to millions of people around the world. That is crazy. Rachel, thank you so much for telling us about it this morning. Thank you for having me. Take so care. fascinating. Rachel Brown, investigative reporter and documentary producer. Her latest piece in The Walrus has to do with this um, Canadian man, a million dollar psychic scam. It's psychic fraud. And this was going on for years. It started in the 1980s. It only just finished up in a courtroom in the United States where Patrice Runner was convicted of fraud. But boy, it is a fascinating story there.